0: make her yours, Ha'ishan Starting off with Mesechte Kiddushin, we're starting a new Mesechte. Uh, we, we start with special broches that we got from one of our regular participants who isn't in the, in the room with us. Uh, but David and Chana Wallace of, of Kosher Travelers made a, a, a very significant contribution to our learning uh, so that we should uh, have bruches, we should have success in the learning of Kiddushin together. So we thank him, and in fact, Kosher Travelers was founded, but it used to be called Eddie's Travel, and Eddie was Joey's brother. So it's, we've got the whole core, and this was in the days when kosher travel was not easy and was not trendy yet. They really pioneered uh, the, the world of kosher travel. So I hope one day we'll do a matmonim tour to so all the places of these, uh, uh, of these rishonim, and the, the, we the, we learn about. In fact, we're starting a new mesecter, the Baly This is a new Tosfos. The Tosfos on each on each Mosefta are written by different people, and it seems that the Tosfos of uh, on, on mesecter Kiddushin were written by the Tosfos Ivro. Ivro is a town in Mo- Normandy, which is about a hundred kilometers east of Paris. Uh, not a very important town, but at it, Vice it's important. That's where the Tosfus Evro were. So that has to be on our itinerary. We need to go to Evro and see where these Tosfus were written. There were three brothers who were called the, the of Evro. It was Rabbeinu Moshe, Rabbeinu Shmuel, Rabbeinu Yitzchak, were three brothers who headed the school of Evro. And these Tosfus are not from their school. We see, in fact, on, on our Omud our, our that Rabbeinu Manoach is quoted. Rabbeinu Manoach is 13th century Provence. So we see that the Tosphus is, is from, from the French school, and we see that it's from the 13th century. It's relatively modern, uh, which means they had access to a lot of what had been said before them. We'll have a lot of uh, pleasure and insights in, in learning Kiddushin with, the, with these Tosfas. In order to understand Kiddushin, we've got to understand the glaring question, which is the sequence. Why does Kiddushin follow Kittin? Why do we learn about divorce before we learn about marriage? Surely we should learn about Kiddushin first and then about Gitin. And in order to understand that, we've got to learn the last lines of Mosef the Gitin. If we understand the last lines of Mosef the Gitin, we'll understand the opening of, of the Kiddushin and, and, and how Kiddushin flows from it. Because, in essence, we're going to learn from how difficult it is to get divorced how important the marriage is. You actually need to study how hard it is to end a marriage to know how important the initiation of the marriage is. Then were it not for the Gzerat were it not for the decree in the Posuk of the La Sefer Venatan Beyadai, but weren't for that verse which we've been studying for three months, you wouldn't be able to divorce a wife. Why should you be able to divorce a wife? There's an element of hektish, of Hareat mekudeshetli we say and in, in hektash we know if you make something sanctified if you make something hektash for the base of Mikdash, you can't undo it you can't divorce it so why, why should you be able to be mekadesh a woman and then divorce her so the answer is you can't if it weren't for the Posuk in the Torah that gave you specific permission and how to do it we've got a whole as to how to do it from that you learn how deep the connection is that is created in Kiddushim. Now we can get into Kiddushim. And to understand the last verse, the last lines of Mesefte Gittin, it revolves around a posuk in Malachi. Malachi is the last of our prophets. He's already in the time of the second base Amikdash. And Malachi is very upset about the fact that Jewish people are marrying non-Jewish women. On Shabbos we learned that the, when the Smaig went to uh, to Spain, he was worried in the 13th century, he was upset about the same 12th century, he was upset about the same things there, and the, the Prophet Malachi talks to them harshly about that, and one of the things he says is HaShem uh, hates divorce And the question is, what does it mean he hates divorce? Rabbi Yehuda at the end of Gitin as much as we don't like divorce, but don't live with a woman you've fallen out of love with. If you're in love with another woman, don't, don't stay with this woman under false pretenses. Rather be open and be honest and divorce her. That's what it means. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, this is not to say that you must divorce On the contrary, Sanuya Meshaleach. Malachi says, Hashem hates the man who divorces his wife. The Lord, please, says the Gemara, And these two views of Rabbi Yochel and Rabbi Yudah are not at odds with each other. It depends whether it's the first marriage or the second marriage. The first marriage, Hashem hates the man who divorces his wife. That's a very strong language, although the Gemara just before then, in the last Dab of Gittin, goes through the grounds for divorcing. And Rabbi Akib, and according to Rabbi Akib, it can be very light reasons. Just he just doesn't want her anymore So there are grounds for divorce. A man can divorce his wife, but it's not something that Hashem is, is happy with. A man who divorces his first wife, even the misbeach, even the altar, sheds tears. back to Malachi, a few psukim earlier. not only are you marrying non-Jewish women, that's bad enough, but unmarried men are marrying non-Jewish women. But the Mizbeach is covered by the tears of women who come to the Mizbeach and cry. Why has he abandoned me? Because what was happening, says Rashi, that the, the women who used to go, were going through the hardship of the, of the, of the Gola. This is now just after the, the Gola, the rebuilding of the second Beis HaMikdash. We've had all the hardship of the destruction of the first base HaMikdash. The women have aged. The women don't look what, like what they looked like before. They've lost a lot of their beauty. And what were the men doing? Marrying attractive young non-Jewish women who hadn't been through all that, that ordeal. It says, Malachi, how could you do that? How could you abandon your wives? Because they've lost the beauty that they had before. Because they've gone through Jewish Tzoros. They've gone through Jewish tragedy. And go and marry somebody who hasn't experienced Jewish tragedy. How could you do such a thing? And the Mizbeach cries, So that the Mizbeach no longer accepts your sacrifices. And when you say, why? Why Why are you so angry with us? We know the last page of Gittin, you're allowed to divorce a wife if you find it. She no longer is attractive to you, no longer appeals to you, she's done something wrong. says, Malachi, Yes, you're right. If she had done something wrong, you would have been allowed to divorce her. But she's done nothing wrong. That's it. That's such a sad ending. It's such a sad piece of, of Tanakh at the end of Mesechta Gittin. She's done nothing wrong. She's just experienced tragedies. She's Jewish. She's been through the Churban and the Golos. And now she's not attractive to you all of a sudden. You want a non-Jewish woman who hasn't been through all of that? And looks fine and beautiful because she hasn't suffered Jewish suffering. How could you do that? The You have been the one who's about it. You've been treacherous. The She is still your friend, your companion. The eshet britecha, and the wife with whom you made a covenant. Because marriage is not an alliance that when the common threat disappears, the alliance dissolves. And marriage is not a partnership governed by common purpose. And when there's no longer common purpose, the two parties decide together, let's abandon the partnership. No, a marriage is... It's a Brit. It's a covenant of sacrifice. I will make sacrifice for you. I will put you before me. That's what marriage is. And when somebody has made sacrifices for you, you don't walk out on her because she's no longer attractive to you. That's not okay. If she's done something wrong, okay, there the, are the grounds for divorce. But she's no longer attractive to you when you've got a covenant of commitment and sacrifice. So we get we get some idea. And what is this about the mizbech? Is sheds tears? We learned in Gemara Soita back on the Yud that Rabbi Akiva said, lo That a man and a woman, if they are, if they merited. Then there's the Shino is among them, like the Beis Hamikdash, like the Mizbe'ath. And if they're not, not so, then Lozachu isha Then a fire, Rashi says, what, ha- what happens? A fire comes down. If you take the Yud and the Hay out of Ishvin have got and Esh says, Rabbi Akim. And my son had a beautiful insight into this, and saying, this explains why it's the Mizbe'ath that, that, that sheds tears. Because what is Rabbi Akiva saying? That's the idea of the fire comes and consumes the husband and wife. Where does fire come down and consume? The Mizbe'af! There's a fire that comes down to the Mizbe'af and consumes the Korban. That's the metaphor Rabbi Akiva is using. A husband and a wife are like a Mizbe'af because they sacrifice for one another. And they sacrifice for Yiddishkeit together. That's what marriage is. And if they're, if they're not Zochu, if they're not at peace together, then this age, the fire comes down and, and consumes them. And that's why when the marriage breaks up, the first marriage breaks up. The second marriage is different. The first marriage is a special connection. When the first marriage breaks up, even the Mizbeach sheds tears for him. What is it? How do you make a connection so deep between a man and a woman? How do you make a connection so deep that even the Mizbeach cries when there's a divorce, when they separate? In other religions, holy people don't get married. And what are we saying that marriage is something so holy that the Mizbah itself sheds tears when it breaks up? How do you do that? That's the question with which Masef the Kiddushin opens. If you end Masef the Gittin the right way, you understand how Masef the Kiddushin opens up. How do you create such connection that without Ezekiel Sakkotsov you can't break, and when you do break it, the Mizbah bursts into tears? How do you create such connection? Says the Mishnah, the opening Mishnah of Kedushim. There are three ways by which a woman, Nekneit, is acquired, so to say. It says Rashi Labala, in which a woman becomes His. Not becomes His from a sense of power and ownership, but becomes His from a sense of responsibility and protection and investment. You are mine, I will take care of you. You are mine, I will invest you in you. You are mine. I will protect you. That's what it means. That's what Kiddushin is. How does that happen? Bishloshad Rahim. There are three ways. In the Gemara, and Amud discusses why use the word Derech? Why not use Devarim? There are three things by which a man can, can acquire a wife. And the Gemara concludes, because Derech means it's a way of being. It's the arrow. It's a way of being. It's not just a, an action. It's not a transaction. And, and I want you to understand this mission in a way that we'll use right throughout the Mosefta. What does it mean, Ha'isha and the woman is made yours in three ways? What are the ways? Kesef, shtar and Biya. through money, through a written document and through intimacy. Those are the three ways. And that's a way of being with a woman, that's not just a transaction under a chuppah, that's a way of being. That a man spends money on his wife. That a man communicates with his wife. He writes her love letters. We talked about the power of writing. And that writing is different from speaking. And writing is different from typing. And you don't send your wife text messages. You write her letters. You write gift cards for her. You write birthday cards for her. You write Rosh Hashanah cards for her. You write love letters to her. Shtar is not just a transaction at the time. It's a derech. It's a way by which you make a woman yours. And bevea, you're intimate with her, you're close with her, you have physical contact with her. Those are the three things that have to be in a marriage to make a woman yours and it has to be done daily. Rishim Shimon Shkop has an incredibly advanced idea that these kinyonim are not once-off, they take place throughout the marriage. And we learnt in the Sakti him that the idea that a man can divorce at will, that he can just end he can just end the relationship, is so that the woman knows every day he's chosen to be with me. Mm. It's not that, because he could have just walked out. That's the gift to the woman of the man's right to unilaterally divorce her. Because if he can unilaterally divorce her, that means every day he doesn't do that, he's choosing to be with her. Says Reb Shimon Shkop, and choosing to be with her means with these three kinyanim. He invests in her in these three ways. He invests in her with money, he invests in her with communication, and he invests with her with, in, in a physical way. That's what he does with her. And I used to tell my, my daughters when they were dating, this didn't apply to any of the wonderful four men who found the each, each of them. It didn't have to apply to them when were they were dating. Other people, if you go out on a date and the man doesn't pay, mm-hmm. he allows you to even suggest pay, that's the last date with that particular man because there's no keser. If the man never writes you a beautiful letter, doesn't communicate his feelings to you, end of the date, he doesn't understand sha, Bia will have to wait for for, for later. But to, to understand those things even in the dating process. And so that's the Gomorrah. That's how you create this depth of connection that is so deep, the Gomorrah says afterwards. We talk about the loshon m'kaddish. Why do we use loshon Kiddush? Because the Asarla la When you get married, there's an isur. You're actually changing the status of a woman, where she's no longer permitted to anybody else, and there's an isur d'oraisa attached to that. And says that's part of the idea of hektish. In Hekdash, you're dedicating something to the Beis HaMikdash and for no other reason. So here, yeah, the woman is being dedicated to this relationship and, and to nothing else and to nobody else. This is, a, this is a communion of Kedusha. There's sanctity in this. And that's why the Gemma Gittin ends up understanding how difficult it is to get divorced. You need a whole Mesechte to understand. This what does v'chatadla mean? What does v'natan be'yadah mean? Because if it's not done exactly right, there's only one other way for her to gain her freedom, our Mishnah says, and that's Mitatabao. Hashem can give her freedom by taking the life of the husband away, then she can get her freedom. But if you want to give her her freedom, it has to be done with the get, it has to be done in the right way. And in the case of the bond between a first husband and wife, that bond is so deep. That breaking that bond is something which is halachically permissible under certain circumstances. But that doesn't mean that the Bezbach itself doesn't cry because such, such depth of communion has been created. Such an eshet britecha, a relationship of brit, a relationship of covenant, of willingness to sacrifice between husband and wife is created. that that can't be broken any other way. So it's through learning about getting, so learning how hard the breakage and the separation is, that we understand how deep the connection and the Kiddusha is.